Hello and welcome to the No Longer Be Children podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Meyer, and we're in pursuit of a mature and stable Christian worldview. And um, I want to just share a little anecdote, a little story that happened to me, and uh, something that it made me, a way that it enabled me to see God differently and um, my relationship to my father and my kids. So um, I was doing something I don't do often, which is working on something mechanical. I forget what it was now. This was a few weeks ago. My car or, or uh, whippersnipper or something. And um, I came in and I was doing something and I just did something very natural, which is just wiped something off my eye or my face or something and I smelled my hands. And they smelled like, you know, mortar oil mixed with sweat and, and dirt and whatever. And um, instantly brought back this whole wave of emotions and feelings um, because my dad is a mechanic uh, and uh, and his hands always smelled you know like that they, they smelled like a mechanic's hands and um, if you've ever had you know how your smells really trigger memories and, and feelings uh, because of where you know your your olfactory gland is, is situated in the brain and how that works um, and I started thinking, like, this is, this is crazy. Like, um, the sorts of feelings it was bringing up right away. Incre- for me, incredibly positive feelings about just, man, I want to go back. I want to I wanna go play with my dad. Um, I want to, um, you know, sit on my dad's knee. I just, I just want to be close to him. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad's a great guy, and we get along great. Um, and I don't want to diminish that at all. Um, but at the same time, I felt like this is a little bit crazy. Uh, this is a little bit out of bounds for what what is normal to feel for a dad or for any person. Um, C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, it might have been somewhere else he wrote this, uh, said when talking about heaven, uh, he said, many people think, um, why would I, or what's the point of going to heaven? I've never wanted to go there. And C.S. Lewis says, I'm not sure that we've ever wanted to go anywhere else. Um, and this longing, I mean, why do we get so excited about what's around the next corner? What's over the next hill? We get excited about vacations. We get excited about, you know, the future, uh, a job, an opportunity, the unknown. And when we get there, it's never what we hope it to be. Uh, because we're always, there's something we're longing for. Uh, and C.S. Lewis, I think very adequately or very uh, rightly points out that's, you know, we're, we're longing for something more. We're longing for heaven. We're longing for um, union with God. We're learn- longing for what we were designed to be. We're made in the image of God. Um, we have eternity in our hearts, and uh, we're longing for him. And I kind of connected my, this feeling I had when I smelled my hands and uh, thought of my dad with, um, it just seems as though in that moment, yes, I wanted to be close to my dad, but at the same time, I'm 33, um, you know, and my dad is, I know, 57 or 60. I'm not sure how old he is. Um, I don't literally want to go sit on his lap. I don't literally want to, I mean, even, I mean, playing baseball would be fun, but um, calling him up on the phone would be fun too. Uh, but that's not really what, what all these emotions were were meaning. I, I wanted to be that little child in my father's knee 
like I was when I was growing up. Um, and, and I did have a very positive experience for the most part with, with growing up. And what that showed to me, uh, as I've reflected on it since then, I'm not sure if I can adequately explain kind of the feelings that I had at that moment, but, um, you know, scriptures uh, reveal God to us as Father. Uh, we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And God said, I will be a father to you and you will be my people. And uh, um, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And that um, in, in John 14 to 16, he talks about how he is one with the Father and how we will become one with him as he is one with the Father and that his Father will be our Father. And, and what that all means is that um, God has taken this relationship of um, a father to a son and he's used that, we could say as a metaphor, to show us what his relationship to us is uh, and what he wishes it to be. Um, obviously, our relationship with our earthly father is not exactly the same as our relationship with our heavenly father. Um, but he's trying to take principles from that to show us what it means um, to be in a relationship with God. And he also takes the relationship of husband-wife and says, this is another example of how what it means to be in a relationship with God, uh, to become one with your wife and to love her and to um, be in a relationship of mutual submission and um, we're one together and yet as a team, you know, we think and we move and have our being. But this relationship of, of father to son, um, the big idea I realize is that as fathers we have this amazing opportunity and, and tremendous responsibility to step into that role of being God to our kids. Um, and when I embrace um, my sons, when I embrace my daughter and, and just surround them with unconditional love, whether they deserved it or not, whether they've been good that day or not, whether you know they've done anything to impress me or not, and spend time with them and care for them and, you know, surround them with the smell of me, whatever I smell like, um, probably smell like computers and paper or something, um, whatever I smell like, that becomes the odor of God to them. That becomes the embrace of God to them. That becomes when they read in the Bible, um, I am your father. Um, and, and Jesus said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And as they pray that, the first thing that's going to pop into my kids' minds is me um, when they think of, of God. And um, <clears throat> what an honor that is. Um, it's a terrifying thing, but what an honor that God, um, you know, in the Old Testament, the first commandment is, is not to worship other gods, and the second commandment is not to make an image of God. Because all images will fall short. Um, we can't, you know, even the most amazing statue or figurine we make of God um, would ultimately become an idol because it's not as beautiful and awesome as God is. And yet God has chosen to be identified um, as a father. And so every time a father has a son, they step into this role of modeling what God is like. And... Um, At the same time, it's it's tremendous amount of pressure, <laughs> and um, 
I, I'm sure, like, I mean, I'm on this side of things right now. Uh, I am a father, and, and this is a big part of what I do in my life every day. Um, but I want to encourage you as you listen to this, don't worry. Um, you won't mess it up too bad. Um, God helps us with this. And the things that come most natural to most of us, um, you know, our kids are going to be able to see through the times we blew up when we shouldn't have, the times that, um, you know, my dad wasn't perfect. But when I smelled my hands, what I thought of were the good times. And uh, what I thought of was, because when you hear my heavenly father, right away you kind of edit, you kind of think about your dad, but you kind of edit, all right, like dad, you know, had good, there were good things, there were bad things. My heavenly father, it's only the good things. And so you kind of edit and you kind of understand that so so don't worry you won't mess it up that bad um you know love your kids well and um i really do believe that god will will use our um our love for our kids in a way that's going to going to show them what what god how god loves us um again it's it's so hard to communicate our emotions but the other day I was just cuddling with one of my kids and just thought, like, man, like, I just love my kids, you know? Like, they're just so awesome. Um, not because they did anything, because they're made of my image, you know? Um, sometimes other people show me pictures of their kids, and, and they're like, look, look, look at this picture of the kid. And the kid's not doing anything, you know? Like, they're not smiling, especially big. The picture's blurry. They're not, you know, it's not... It's not uh, meme-worthy or Facebook-worthy. And they're like, look at this kid. He's so cute. And I'm like, whatever, man. <laughs> try and, um, you know, you, you try and be polite and stuff. But now I realize I do the same thing with my kids, you know. It's not because they're doing something special. It's because they're my kids, you know. And, and really, like, it, I mean, it took me a while to realize not everybody sees my kids the way I do. Um, but God sees us the way we see our kids. It's crazy. Um, God sees you the way you see your kids. Um, and your kids wake up in the morning and, and look at you and their hair is all crazy and they're barely awake and you're just like, man, you're awesome. You know, I love you. Um, sometimes our kids drive us nuts too. Um, and the times they drive us, they hurt us the most. They make us the most angry. It's because we see the potential and we see you could go so far if you just... You just did this and this, you know, or if you smartened up or if you changed something. But it's because we love our kids that sometimes they drive us crazy. Um, what if you had a bad dad? And uh, I had a good dad. I know there's some people that had a really bad dad. And last week uh, I sat and prayed with a guy and he said, you know, my parents abandoned me emotionally. And... Um, his story was that by the time he was 13, he was taken out of, or something like that, a young age, he was taken out of his home because the, the abuse was so bad. And when he saw his parents later on in life as an adult, they said, we never wanted you and we don't want you now. Um, so, you know, we prayed through the feelings of rejection that that caused. And, and when I tried to pray with him, because I was kind of doing this repeat after me prayer, and I said, Father, I know, or I got, God, I know that you love me and want me even though my parents don't you know he prayed that but then he stopped and he said I can that's really hard to say because I don't believe it 
um, what do we do when our dad didn't model God well for us? What do we do when, you know, our parents don't show us love, they reject us, they are too into their own baggage and lives and personal, you know, personal drama and religion and stupidity to really care for their kids like they should. What do we do? Um, I got a few notes here and I started going on this journey of, of trying to counsel somebody over a podcast and I realized this probably isn't the place for this. Um, I mean, things like forgiving your parents and healing and doing counseling, speaking truth, finding verses that speak truth on this issue. Maybe I'll find a list for you at the end of this. Uh, and, and then just, you know, posting them on your mirror, reading them over and over until you know it's true. Um, trite platitudes and Hallmark cards don't help because it's all just head and that doesn't touch the heart. But when you take a Bible verse and you memorize it, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Um, or, or some other great verses like that. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, God speaks over Jesus, and he speaks over us, every one of us that is, is a true child of God, is, is saved. Um, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You know, if you pray that, and you hear God's voice over you, over and over, that's going to start speaking to your heart. And um, But even that, I don't want to just say, repeat these Bible verses, and that'll be okay. Um, I would encourage you, well, first of all, to realize and maybe you're realizing as I'm talking maybe this, oh, that's where my problem is. That's, that's what's going wrong here. And um, I've got two atheist friends on my Facebook. And uh, for one of them especially, and I, I suspect for the other one, you, don't, you never want to you know, play psychologist for people and, and try and figure out their issues, but you know, they both have dads that did not model God for them well. Uh, not at all. Um, well, one of them not at all. One of them was, yeah. Um, I don't want to share too much because people might guess what I'm talking about. But um, the, the issue here is not apologetics. The issue here is your dad sucked. And that's not what God is like. You know, and when you read the Old Testament and look at the violence in the Old Testament and you read the New Testament and stuff about hell and stuff about you know, justice and all that gets filtered through a bad, selfish dad. That's where, the, that's where the problem is. That's what needs to be fixed is changing your understanding of what it means to be a dad. Um, and maybe the paradigm shift is stop thinking about how your dad was and start thinking about how you feel about your child. That's, what, that's who God is. How you feel about your child is how God is, not necessarily how you were treated by your own dad. Um, but for some people, and this is, I guess, where I want to close this, um, the idea of a spiritual pilgrimage is something that we've kind of lost in the West. We kind of threw out the baby, baby with the bathwater with the Reformation. People used to go on pilgrimages to holy sites and to shrines. Um, and, and, you know, there's a reason to reject some of that. Um, but I would encourage you to go on a pilgrimage um, of one form or another to find to find your dad but through that 
like I said, you know, my the smell of of oil on my hands is more than wanting to pick up the phone and call my dad. I mean, I do want to call my dad. I should call him, um, and I would like to talk to him. But it's more than that. It awakes it awakens this desire to know my heavenly Father. Um, go on a quest to find your dad, to find what God's hands smell like to you. Um, <clears throat> and there's all sorts of things available to you. Um, I'm going to end this by quoting a bunch of Bible verses that I'd love you to memorize and just pray through these and um, understand they're true. Uh, might involve a process of, of going through you know, old pictures, bringing up old memories. You know what? Something Dad did here is not good. It wasn't good. But my Heavenly Father isn't like that. Um, and forgiving your parents, getting it dealt with, and then speaking the truth over that, that God in this situation, or you could even say myself, if, if, if that was me and my child was in that situation, I wouldn't do that. That wouldn't be my heart. And God's heart wouldn't be like that. So uh, that's my challenge for you, I guess. My insight is, um, wow, you know, when we, when we smell the smell of our fathers, I think behind that is a delight in our Father God and a hunger for Him. And my challenge for you is find out what God's hands smell like to you. And um, how can you get in touch with the heart of God over you? So let me read this for you and just let these verses soak over you. John fourteen sixteen to 20. Says Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me and I in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Luke three, twenty-two. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Isaiah 49 14 to 16 is technically talking to Israel. Um, <clears throat> but Philippians 3, uh, 2 to 4 talks about how uh, we are the true Israel who put no confidence in the flesh and glory in Christ Jesus. And Romans 9 to 11 explains how we've been grafted into Israel. And they are not all Israel who are descended of the flesh, but rather those that have the faith of Abraham. So these words apply very much to us. The Father, heart of God for his people. Isaiah 49, 14. But Zion said, or Israel said, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, <clears throat> I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Hebrews thirteen five. 
says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And Matthew 28, 20 says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus, that um, you love us in a similar way to how our parents love us and how we love our kids. And that's crazy that the Lord of the universe looks down at me um, and cares for me um, and thinks I'm special just because I'm me and because I'm made in His image. And I pray, Lord, that you would enable me to walk in that, um, not to have an attitude of slavery leading to fear, as it talks about in Romans Romans 8, but a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Um, and because we're free from feeling like we need to earn your love, oh, what a freedom that gives us, and what a freedom to love others and to live our lives, just live our lives. Without overperforming, without perfectionism, without onerous rules and laws. What a freedom that gives us. And I just pray, Lord, that this freedom would be mine today, again, that we've come to rediscover it, and that this freedom can, can be ours as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Um.